It is time once again for the show where an ordinary American looks at our extraordinary nation. Welcome to the Terry Wilkerson Show. My name is Terry, and I'm an ordinary American taking a look at our extraordinary nation. Now, in the past couple of years, I've begun this show with the tagline, I'm an ordinary man looking at an extraordinary world, but quite frankly, America, my focus is right here on this country, as I believe it should be for all Americans. And quite frankly, I am tired of we as Americans being told that we have to focus on the rest of the world. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I normally begin with a monologue about America, but I do want to speak for just a moment to my international listeners. And I thankfully have listeners all across the globe. I have listeners in Canada, Mexico, England, Ireland, Russia, Poland, um, a couple of listeners in Germany, and I have even had listeners as far away as Japan. And I thank each and every one of you who take time out of your week to listen to this show from a humble little American who's broadcasting from a bunker, a secured location, also known as my studio, with just this nice little background if you're watching the video version of this, which, by the way, is available on Rumble and Odyssey and will now be available also on BitChute. I have decided to join the BitChute family. So... Point being, for those of you who listen around the world, I do thank you for tuning in. And I know I have a tendency to be a little bit uh, American-centric. Well, that's because that's what this show is about. And I would like to think that those of you who are in England, Germany, Poland, Russia, wherever it is you happen to be listening from, that you understand that this is my patriotism. This show is my way of fighting for my national pride. And it's something I think every citizen of every country around the world should probably be, um, should probably have in their own heart. They should probably have the same exact national pride. Now, I'm not saying to hate other countries. I want to make that clear. I have no discernible problem with any of these other countries. I just personally believe that America needs to come first to America. Much like Germany should be first to Germans. Russia should be first to Russians. And the most important thing there to remember is that when you put your nation, your country, your, um, your population, your community ahead of everything else, it's not saying that other countries, other people, other communities don't matter, but rather the one I'm in matters more to me. The focus for example, of this show is on Americans and this country that we live in in general. If you live in one of these other countries, and if you don't live in America, you do, obviously. If you live in another country, your focus should be on your country. Your focus should be on making your nation better. If you live over in Russia and you are against the incursion into Ukraine, you need to speak out. At times it's dangerous, but let me explain this to you. It is just as dangerous here in the United States to speak out against the prevailing narrative of the party as it is in any other country. You may think 
that if you look at China or Germany or Russia or any of these um, less than democratically controlled nations, that there is some type of penalty for speaking out that doesn't exist here in the United States. Well, my friends worldwide, I assure you, those penalties exist here too. They just exist on a very low key level, far below the surface, a lot further out of reach of the mainstream media than it might be in your country. So I'm asking those of you around the world who listen to this show, even my listeners in Australia, and yes, I am proud of having listeners all over the world, and I thank you and, and look forward to having you back each and every week. But if you glean anything from my show, and for this particular point, I'm speaking to my fellow Americans as well. If you glean anything from this show, it's have pride in your country, have pride in your community, have pride in your family. And that pride not only means putting your country, community, family first, but it also means that your country should exist outside of the parameters of the lives of others. Your country doesn't need to invade. Your country doesn't need to attack. Your country also doesn't need to fund. And your country also doesn't need to bail out. No matter where you live around the world, you need to hold your leaders accountable for taking care of your nation first and for leaving other nations out to, quite frankly, either flounder or succeed on their own. It should never, ever be the duty of another country, another community, to support, completely support. I don't mind giving aid to, but to completely support any other country or community is absolutely wrong. And America first has to put America first. But no matter where you are in the world, hold your leaders accountable and force them to put your country first. Thank you for listening for Around the World. I just feel that's something that we all need to get into our heads. Okay, America, we just passed the Super Bowl, uh, I think. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't watch the NFL. I, For reasons that I have talked about on my sports show, and for reasons I've talked about on this show as well, I'm just not an NFL guy anymore. I do still love college, but I'm not an NFL guy. And despite living in the Philadelphia suburbs, I really didn't care about this being a Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl. And, of course, there is all this crying and screaming about a holding call. Well, the the guy who committed, I believe his name was Bradbury, the guy who committed the penalty admitted that it was a just call, admitted that it was a penalty. So, I mean, we all know deep down in our hearts that the NFL is a little shady with things. But there is no conspiracy against a specific city outside of the Vegas odds. Make no mistake, okay? The NFL bases everything on what the odds are in Vegas and what money they can make and what money the betters can make. And that's a huge issue in this country is we have this idea, and, and around the world, might I add. This is one of those few times where I can speak for the world as well. Betting has become such a huge part of things that... We, we cannot sit here and be confident that sports are not being modified. They're not being fixed to suit the gamblers. I mean, we've heard about these things in Colombia with Colombian soccer legends being murdered because somebody lost a shit ton of money on a game because somebody screwed up. 
So the other thing about the Super Bowl that just passed is apparently 118 million people tuned into the halftime show to watch Rihanna, which almost makes sense because I think I've heard about 118 million people bitching about the satanic undertones of it. I didn't watch a single second of the Super Bowl or of the halftime show. And quite frankly, other than one song, I couldn't name a Rihanna song if you put a gun to my head. I can name you one. And I'm pretty sure the name is uh, We Found Love. I think that's what it's called. I recognize it. And I think I've had it on a playlist somewhere. I don't know, Spotify, Amazon, something like that. Maybe even Rhapsody. It might go that far back. But 118 million people watch this halftime show. The same people who believe that 118 million people watched Rihanna's halftime show are the same people that believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes in the popular vote. It's just not true. It's a narrative pushed by the sports media, by our mainstream media, and by the loud and proud black woman doing the Super Bowl halftime show, LGBTQ minus plus A divided by um, racially divided group. Nobody, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think I know six or seven people who watched the Super Bowl and not one of them that I know of actually bothered watching the halftime show. So again, we're at a point in this country where we're being fed these numbers, spoon fed these numbers and being told to believe it when it's pretty obvious to a blind man. I mean, Stevie Wonder could see this, that these numbers are being falsified. So for everybody, if you did watch the halftime show at the Super Bowl, hey, let me know, you know, uh, on, I've told you guys I don't have an official Twitter anymore, but I do have an official getter. It's, of course, at T.L. Wilkerson, uh, G-E-T-T-R, getter, for those of you out there who have been asking me how the hell to spell that. So that's really, that's really all I have to say about the Super Bowl. I really don't care about the game itself. I mean, just we're expected for this to be like some type of unofficial holiday in this country. And I don't see why. And it wasn't that long ago that my quote unquote team, the New York giants won two super bowls within what, four years. And yeah, I watched, I had a few drinks, I celebrated. And then I went to bed and went to work the next day. The Super Bowl is just, as I said, it's an unofficial holiday, and I think it's just taken way too seriously. And the halftime show being Rihanna, and from a discussion I had with somebody earlier today, apparently people were upset that it wasn't Beyonce, who I was completely unaware was still even relevant. In case you haven't noticed, America, I have no idea what's going on in pop culture in this country. I don't care. I have no clue. Who's popular in movies, TV, or what have you? I, I can probably tell you who the most popular third baseman in Pittsburgh is for the Pirates, but I can't tell you what the number one movie in the country is. Because I've given up on the whole concept of pop culture in this country. Which kind of indirectly leads me into the next thing I would like to talk to you about, America. Look, um, it is well known that uh, I, I'm a Jersey boy through and through, grew up. Born and raised, I do have a lot of Southern and Western influence in me as well. And so this is why last week I was talking about how I consider myself not only an American, but I consider myself an example of America with all the different influences that I have. So I grew up a, a huge Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi fan. 
Now, of course, we all know now that Springsteen has this little podcast going with um, the worst president in American history, Barack Hussein al-Obama. And a lot of people have said that Bruce has turned his back on the country. If there's one thing that I hope you get from this show, this week's episode, that maybe you haven't picked up on before, but I have spoken out about this on numerous occasions, is that there are two sides to every bullshit. Okay? There are two sides to every coin. There's also two sides to every bullshit. Remember this, folks. It's just the party. Orwell predicted this. The right wing, the left wing, they're both wings on the same dodo bird. So, when we have people complaining about, uh, yeah, it's that time, America. Grab yourself a beer, pack your lip, pack your bowl, grab a smoke, do whatever it is you do. Let's do some American shit here, huh? So, if you're one of these people that say you're a fan of both Bruce Springsteen and Ted Nugent like I am. Look, the example I used with this when I was talking to uh, my lovely fiance about it was, I'm a huge fan of Springsteen, Bon Jovi, but I'm also a big fan of Leaving and Ted Nugent. Okay? You couldn't have more opposite, ideologically opposite singers than those guys. Leaving and Ted Nugent, both ultra-right-wing pro-2A, and Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi and Neil Young I also used as an example, are, well, let's just say the opposite. Well, if you're going to sit here and be a fan of Ted Nugent, like I am, and celebrate every time he rolls down the American flag at a concert, like I do, and shoots a flaming arrow at a buffalo in front of, you know, a packed house of 25, 35, 45,000 fans, the, the way I love it, then you cannot turn around and say, but Bruce Springsteen's a piece of shit for talking about uh, something going on overseas. You just can't. That's hypocrisy, and that's the opposite of what we strive for here on this show. Freedom is freedom. Freedom to speak, freedom of speech. First Amendment is absolute, and it doesn't matter if it's somebody who believes that abortion is horrible, pro-gun, pro-2A, you know, I already said that, you know, flag waver, or on the other side, somebody who believes that abortion should be completely legal and... You know, people who believe that it's okay to kneel for the national anthem, they're both free speech. They're both acceptable. You don't have to agree with one or the other if you don't believe in that. But you have to understand that your right to speak your truth extends to somebody else and gives them the right to speak their truth. I happen to be not even in the middle. I'm not even in the center of the political arena. I'm on the outside looking in, watching people just fall all over themselves being fucking stupid. So I am a pro-two-way uh, Bruce Springsteen fan. I am an anti-socialist Neil Young fan. At the same time, look, I, I have a very weird, I guess you would call it, political ideology. Personally, I find abortion abhorrent. I don't believe in it. But I'm also not a woman. And it's none of my business. I don't like it, but I can't sit here and tell you that there should be a federal law against abortion. I, I just, that's not, that's hypocrisy. And that's what I strive to fight against. If we're going to enforce one law, we have to enforce 
the opposite side of it. If we're going to believe in one ideology, we have to allow somebody else to believe in the opposite ideology. That's the truth, America. You cannot have a system based solely, if you're going to claim freedom, liberty, and opportunity, you cannot do that in a system where you repress the opposing viewpoint. That's fascism. That's socialism. That's the isms that we as a nation have struggled to eliminate. But yet we have this in our heads, no matter which side of the political spectrum we're on, that the other side has to be quashed. The other side has to be shut down. And then we want to scream freedom and liberty when our actions just show the absolute opposite. America, I do also want to take a second to say, uh, last week I was here and I was talking about a, um, a podcast called The Quash. That's what made me think of it. That I have come to kind of, uh, I've become a listener because he is a no bullshit, this is the way things are type of guy. But he did make a comment on Twitter that I found a little bit, not offensive because I don't do offensive, but I found a little bit too ignorant for me to actually digest. Uh, he was referring to Nikki Haley and saying that since she is an election denier, that the person who reposted Nikki Haley's comment, he made the comment that this guy should spend more time on something worthwhile because election deniers are, basically he said yeah, election deniers are wasting everybody's time. And we should move on to more important things. Uh, and, and I say to this guy, and I say to you, America, that no, uh, I'm sorry, this is where I have to draw a very firm line. The election deniers are the same people who tried to tell us from the very beginning that COVID-19 wasn't real, that the vaccine didn't work. Did you notice there's a correlation between vaccine deniers and quote-unquote election deniers? Well, if we had shut the fuck up and listened to the vaccine and um, the COVID deniers like myself, let's be honest, then we probably wouldn't have ended up where we are. But no, we all fell for the bullshit. Same with the election deniers. There's a reason election deniers aren't going away. The election was rigged. We now know that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. We now know that the uh, the holding down of, of viewpoints and, and, and of media by social media was real. We know all this is real now. And we also know, deep down inside, every single American who's paying attention knows that the elections in the past two cycles were wrought with fraud. I mean, look at John Fetterman. John Fetterman became a senator despite the fact that nobody actually did vote for the guy. And um, Fetterman now, by the way, he's in Walter Reed. He's in Walter Reed Hospital for depression symptoms. I think that's just a very clever cover-up for the fact that he is essentially completely brain-dead. And I don't mean that as a joke. I don't mean to laugh at the guy because it's a terrible condition. But I think the whole depression thing is just a cover-up. And it's a cover-up to allow Pennsylvanians, who actually did vote for him, I think there were, what, five, maybe six, to feel better about themselves for having voted for a disgusting Bernie Sanders clone Lurch-looking motherfucker. 
who from the beginning made it clear that he would do everything he could to socialize Pennsylvania. So now he's in Walter Reed, and we are supposed to ignore the election deniers. You see what it does? You see what ignoring the fraud in the elections does? It gives us people like John Fetterman, who we knew good and damn well wasn't going to be able to serve in his office, but yet we allowed the election fraud to take place, and this is what happens. What's going to happen now when he's deemed unfit? They're going to appoint his replacement. Let that sink in. They're going to allow somebody. I believe in this scenario, Fetterman himself will be able to appoint his replacement. That's That in itself is election fraud. We the people are not voting in his replacement. And guarantee you, we're looking at maybe a month or two until they announce he's not fit to serve. But we the people aren't going to be able to pick his replacement. Government bureaucrats are. And that's, that's what we're supposed to ignore election deniers when shit like this is going on. Another thing that's going on in the world, America, well, in America, anyway, um, there's this TV show. I admit I don't know anything about it. I've never seen it, but it's called The Last of Us. And apparently the star, Bella Ramsey, has made this comment about people uncomfortable with the LGBT. TQ a minus plus a divided sign ampersand characters saying they're going to have to get used to it. Um, she was quoted in a GQ article as saying, I know people will think what they want to think, but they're going to have to get used to it. Actually, she said gonna, but I speak proper English. If you don't want to watch the show because it has gay storylines, because it has trans characters, that's on you and you're missing out. Ramsey said she is, quote, not particularly anxious, end quote, about the reaction from some viewers as The Last of Us Part 2 has had even more queer representation if the show continues to faithfully adapt the video games. See, I didn't know this was a video game. I don't pay attention to this stuff. This is what I was saying earlier. I don't pay attention to pop culture. But this woman, who's the star of this show, making this claim they're going to have to get used to it. And why? Not because she actually believes in the LGBTQ agenda. No, this is simply a promotional thing. This is simply because now we have something we can push to make people view. Oh, well, she said, you know, people don't like the LGBTQ characters. Let's see what she's talking about. Let's tune in to find out what all these transphobes are terrified of. It's a fucking marketing scheme. And we have uh, this particular article. I found it on MSN. You know, the, the, the moron social network. It's a fucking marketing scheme, and yet people are just diving into this going, she's right, people, you know, these transphobes, shut up. Just shut up. All right, America. <laughs> oh, man. All right, America. News from around the 50 states, because we'd like to focus on the individual states here. America, let's see what's going on in your area of the woods. This is your sit rep. All right. We have... Going on at uh, Capitol Hill in Montana. Capitol Hill? Yeah, the Capitol Halls in Montana. See, when you do things live and fly by the seat of your pants, you make stupid little mistakes. And here I am talking about how I speak proper English. So at the Capitol of Montana, union workers have been uh, flooding. This is the term that's actually being used here. A the Capitol over a bill to allow the right to work in Montana. 
Um, these people have been carrying signs that say, Stop the War on Workers. Uh, as legislatures held a hearing on a bill that would impact union members' ability to organize in Montana. America, I don't even need to go any further into this bill. The minute you hear unionized labor, you should know what the background is. See, unions exist only to perpetuate themselves, as do all systems. That's what a system is for. It's in place to perpetuate itself. And unions are the worst and at the same time best example of this. Unions nationwide have been a problem in our economy since at least the 1920s. Organized labor exists to benefit those at the top. It's a pyramid scheme. It exists to benefit those at the top, and it exists to perpetuate the system as it's been. Now, Montana is one of the last really frontier states left in the country. They do have more cattle than people. And I believe it is the second least populous state to Wyoming. I, I might be mistaken there. It might be Maine is the second most populous state. But here in Montana, we had a right-to-work bill being put in front of the state legislature. If you're not familiar with a right-to-work law, it basically means that you don't have to join a union shop in order to perform a certain duty. So if you're an electrician or a construction worker or a steel worker or an iron worker, you wouldn't have to join a union under right-to-work laws. But unions will fight tooth and nail to keep these laws available, to keep these laws in place, I should say, because God forbid they lose even one fucking bit of union dues. This is a huge problem that we don't address enough in this country. Unions need to go. And when you have Montana fighting for these, fighting this whole battle, you know you got a problem. I mean, this is already the state that's been, at least in the last five or six years, been represented best by the TV show Yellowstone, which, if you haven't heard, it looks like Kevin Costner is leaving, and they're going to rework it with Matthew McConaughey, meaning, yeah, they're going to lose a couple of hundred thousand, if not million, viewers. All right, let's see what's going on over in Kansas. Senate adopts bill urging Kansas public schools to offer NRA gun safety curriculum in grades K through 8. This is obviously a controversial bill. Allowing gun safety and gun usage to be taught in school. Now, I know of a lot of schools when I was growing up, and I went to school in the 80s and early 90s. There were still schools in my school district. There were still schools in my area that still did things like teaching marksmanship and gun safety. This is nothing new. This is not like somebody's trying to change the, you know, the fucking wheel. This is not new, America. This is what our country was based on. And in a time not that long ago, things like agriculture, gun safety were the norm. In my days, in uh, middle school and even you know my first, I think, year of high school, Gun racks on the back of pickup trucks in the parking lot were normal. And carrying a pocket knife was necessary for shop class. And we're having a conniption fit over a bill that would allow schools to teach, to, to offer, and not even forcing, quote, urging, that would offer the ability to teach gun safety in schools. Now, a... A Republican by the name of Dahl, I cannot find this person's first name right now to say, John Dahl, made the comment that what I'm afraid is going to happen is, if school shootings continue to happen, we're going to pin it on schools. Um, circular logic much? If you teach 
children in schools gun safety and you allow them access to firearms, isn't there less of an opportunity for school shootings, for these false flag events that, quite frankly, say what you want to to me. I don't care. Every single one of these school shootings, there's something that doesn't sit right. And you notice it. Everybody wants to say that they're all in these Republican-controlled states, but they're all in Democrat-controlled cities. See, it's about the party, the uniparty, the right and the left together, that fucking dodo bird. Has nothing to do with a political affiliation. It has everything to do with what the neighborhood, with what that particular community is taught is right and wrong. And we have this problem in Kansas where everybody's throwing a fit because, hey, you know, we're going to allow kids to learn how to handle firearms. All of a sudden, that's a bad thing. I learned how to use a gun properly when I was very young. You don't see me going around shooting shit up. And finally, in Michigan, uh, the GOP, the grand old party, the Republicans in Michigan, are going after two election deniers, see how everything is circular, named Matt DiPerno and Christina Caramo, who are Trump supporters, and they are in the front running to lead the Michigan state GOP. Now, of course, the Swamp Democrat, the Swamp Democrats, that's that's redundant. The Swamp Republicans are going after them because they're election deniers. This is, again, the division that we have been given. I had faith in the Republican Party up until the past, like, two years. I had faith that they could do something. Now I know that they can't because they're too busy fighting amongst themselves. Too busy fighting against the concept of we have election fraud and we need to acknowledge it. This is America now. We're going after the people who want answers. And we're saying they are the bad guys. The election deniers. The people who point out the fraud. They're evil. Not the people who perpetrate the fraud. But the people who point it out. And that, America, leads me up to my next little segment, my next thing I have to say. And this time I'm actually going to talk about something that I'm guilty of. Okay. America, we have a seriously major malfunction in this country. We have several, (laughs) but we have a seriously major malfunction in this country because we've learned to accept things as they are and to never question it. We've learned that whatever the media tells us and whatever our government tells us is just the way it is. And I've become guilty of parts of this lately. You see, I've spent the past almost nine years with my beautiful fiance explaining to her about things I talk about on this show, how systems are designed only to perpetuate themselves and that individual freedom is more important than anything else. That without individual freedom, national freedom doesn't exist. And recently, I have found myself kind of um, falling into the pitfalls of just believing what's in front of me. Now, yes, there is a personal issue that came up that, that brought this to light. And I do need to apologize to her. And I'm doing so in front of the country and the world. I'm sorry, you're right. I got complacent. I got to a point where I was believing something that was right in front of me because it was convenient to me. And that is not what I preach. 
and I think everybody knows I don't mind being an asshole, but I refuse to be a hypocrite. So I apologize because I realize that I was being a hypocrite. Not that it makes me look like a hypocrite. It means I am being a hypocrite and I won't have that in myself. I won't allow that to happen. So I am truly, truly sorry. So that leads me into this because we have this problem now. We're being told, oh, the election was real. Deal with it. We're being told, oh, the you know, we have more school shootings now than we've ever had in our lives. We need to deal with it by taking away the guns. EVs are the future. Deal with it. And none of these things are true. But we're told to accept it. And too many of us do. For reasons that vary from we actually believe this bullshit because we happen to be on that particular side of the political spectrum. Or, in my case, complacency. And that's what kills a nation, is complacency. When I spoke at the beginning of the show, I was talking to my listeners around the world about how I think it's important for all cultures, all nations around the world, to stand up against their government, to stand up against the corruption, and to fight for their nation and what their nation stands for. And we all need to do that about all things. When we have our government telling us lies, like there were three Chinese weather balloons that were shot down during the Trump administration, when we all know that's not true, but people accept it because, well, orange man bad. That's the complacency. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) As you're aware, I don't have a cough button, so sorry. You have to accept it. It's complacency and it's political division the call to accept what we're being told and the acceptance of bullshit for the sake of complacency that's one thing but when you do it based solely and strictly on your political ideology you have to stop and step back and look at your political ideology and ask yourself is this what i believe or is this what my party believes Because what you will find out, if it is in fact what you believe, then you might find yourself rethinking your view of the world. And if you find out that it's what your party believes, then you might finally get the idea that what we're talking about here is a uniparty and how the Republicans and the Democrats are no different. America, we have a seriously major malfunction in just believing whatever we're told. I have been guilty of it as anybody else lately. And if we don't figure out a way to fix this, this problem is just going to grow and grow and grow until it starts eating away at the very fabric of our nation. So what can we do, America? What can we do to change our country? We can always make little steps. We can always make minute little changes in our lives and in our con- in our community for our country. And that's what I'm talking about this week. What can we do? America, you may live in the greatest nation on the planet. You do. You may live in a nation. You may live in a state. You may live in a county. But ultimately, you live in a small community. Maybe not so small. Maybe you live in a major city. Maybe you live in a suburb. Maybe you live in an urban or rural area. But you live in a community. 
And America, when I start talking about America first, America only, it begins on the grassroots level. It has to be community first, community only. A friend of mine has begun a local podcast down here in the southeastern Pennsylvania region. And he focuses on the township we live in. Now, I don't have his permission to use the name of the show yet because I just thought of this as I was going into recording. So I'm going to try to get permission and then provide a link in the show notes so that you can check him out if you happen to live in the southeastern Pennsylvania region or if you're anywhere in the world because it, it the, the man who has this podcast is a very passionate individual and he's very direct and honest about the effect that certain things has on his and my community. So we could start here at the community level. We can start by keeping an eye on what our school boards are doing, by keeping an eye on what our local commissioners are doing, by keeping an eye on what the trash commissioner in your area is doing. America, you have to focus on your community. You have to focus on keeping your community safe, secure, and clean. You have to focus on making sure that, you know, your community is presentable. So many times I'll go through certain parts of certain cities and it's just destroyed by the trash and the graffiti. And I'm not anti-graffiti per se. I do think it's an amazing art form. These people are great artists. However, there is a there is a place for it, if that makes any sense. There are communities that have specific areas for graffiti, for street artists, and I'm fine with that. But when you start tagging major buildings inside a major city and you know that that becomes a crime and that becomes a problem and that shows a lack of care and concern about your community but i'll see these areas that are trashed with garbage and dilapidated houses and and the um the aforementioned graffiti and i wonder if they don't have any civic pride see we're being told that we have to have our identity based on our civic posture. We, we, we're being told that we, our identity comes from our color, comes from our race, our social background, that it comes from where our parents are from, where we grow up, where we went to school. But we're not being told is, what we're not being told is, that if that's the case, then we need to focus on those specific microcosms of our nation. We need to stand up and take care of our community first. If you are a resident of Springfield, and I use that in a Simpson sense, Springfield isn't any town USA. If you're a resident of Springfield, then your concern in terms of your community needs to be Springfield, not Neighbortown. Don't worry about what Neighbortown is doing. Make your community, make your city, your municipality, your township, whatever it is you happen to live in, help make that as great as it possibly can be. It starts small. It starts on the grassroots level. The community comes first. Love your community. Build your community. Make your community beautiful. You, you, won't, you talk about you know making America great. That's how you start. You start by making your community. You start by making your hometown great. You do that, and who knows? It could create a, a ripple effect. It could start a movement. Next thing you know, maybe your entire county all has pride and sooner or later instead of being just proud of being from springfield 
you're proud of being from Springfield in any county USA. And then it transmits itself to being proud of being from Springfield, any county, any state USA. Civic pride is where it begins. All right, America, we are going to finish up this particular week with a little bit of wisdom from the Duke. We couldn't do this last week because I could not find my book. So we are reading here from Grit, Daily Inspiration and Frontier Wisdom from Men, for men. The book written about all the movies and all the cool shit that John Wayne did. So, this particular selection is called Always Be Prepared. As Sergeant John Stryker in 1949's Sands of Iwo Jima, Duke made it his duty to honor the real heroes of World War II. Having built his troops up to face anything that may come their way, Sergeant Stryker seems as prepared as any man ever could be heading into battle. When he and his squadron faced their toughest task in the form of 20,000 Japanese troops at Iwo Jima, the battle-hardened Sergeant Stryker enters the fray, raring to send the enemy back to whence they came, confident, courageous, and wholly compelled to finish the job. Just as it appears that he and his men have emerged from the battle victorious, however, Sergeant Stryker is shot and killed by a sniper. Thanks to his sacrifice, the good guys win the battle, and ultimately, due to the sacrifice of so many of our country's real-life heroes, the war. While you and yours may not be facing such dire circumstances at this moment in time, you will find that being prepared as possible will allow you to be, will always be your best shot at success. If not for you, then for the people who depend on you. Sometimes thinking ahead is its own form of heroism, or as the Boy Scouts put it, be prepared. And, uh, that actually, by the way, that allows me to finish off this week with a, an amusing little anecdote. Um, my fiance and I, as you're probably well aware, we both work in the same building. We both have the same job. We were coming home the other day, and the area we were walking from the trolley was kind of dark, so I pulled out my flashlight to light the way and found myself quoting Scar from Lion King with a big, you know, be prepared just as I walked into a bush or a tree or whatever the hell it was. So, <clears throat> Kind of, uh, kind of funny. And America, thank you for joining me here. <clears throat> As always, you can find the Terry Wilkerson Show podcast wherever you download your fine podcast content. And of course, the video show is available exclusively on Rumble, Odyssey, and we have finally moved on and we have joined BitChute because YouTube can still kiss my ass. Thank you for joining me here, America. And until next time, when we see you next week, Please remember that your rights are not a gift from the government. Rights are absolute and eternal. The moment you allow the government to begin to abridge a right, it becomes a privilege, and a privilege can be taken away. Until we see you next time, America, have a great. The Terry Wilkerson Show is produced by 1975 Podcast Productions, a division of 1028 Media. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com for more information. You can find The Terry Wilkerson Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you download your fine podcast content. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're on a platform where you can do so, give us a five-star rating. That way we can tell big tech that they can shove it up their ass. And until next time, America, stay calm, have courage, and wait for signs.